You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We got a great one for you this week. We're going to be talking about some music. What kind of music you're going to say? We are talking some nominees. That's what it's not Grammys time. It's not time for the MTV Music Awards, but it is time to look at the class of 2021 nominations for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we got a great crew go, possibly going in this time. And some well-deserved people are going to first-timers. Are they going to be first-time nominees? Are they going to be able to get in? Or are some of the almost wannabes going to be finally getting in? It's going to be a lot of good questions. And the man who definitely is deserved to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, let's say hey to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Just on that howdy alone, you could get into the hall for that, sir. Rock and roll, baby. Exactly. How are you this week? I am Peachy Keen. And yourself? Oh, we're good. We are really, really good. And we have some amazing stuff to talk about. We have a really special interview in a few minutes that we're going to be talking about. And, you know, we're also going to be talking about music. doesn't get much better than that. It's a good one. It is going to be a good one. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys, of course. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Definitely would like to, you know, hear from you guys. What are your thoughts on the nominations this year? Have there been any, like, left outs or people who have been snubbed once again? Or is this, you know, a pretty justified class, a little more diverse? What do you guys think? We definitely would love to hear from you guys on that. And, of course, you know, We'd love to also have you guys please subscribe to our show. If you're listening to the show and really enjoy it, if you listen to us on Facebook or if you listen to us off of the Earth Station One website or if you listen to us right off of the ESO website, you could also subscribe to us on fine podcast players, wherever fine podcasts are found. Earth Station One is there also. And, you know, we just have to, you know, Try to tell everybody about us. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Stand on your rooftops if you need to. You know, we definitely would love to, you know, have people tell you about us. And, you know, we definitely would love to have you tell every all your friends and neighbors. It's a great thing. Of course, we also want you to tell your friends and neighbors about Tifosi Optics. That's right, Tifosi Optical, your place for sunglasses, where you could get a really cool pair of sunglasses for as little as... $29. That's right, folks. $29 for a custom-made pair of sunglasses, the colors you want, the shades you want, anything. It's pretty darn awesome. And when you're there, you can also get gamer glasses, or you can get the 4K blue light blocking glasses. You could also get a face shield to help protect you from COVID. You know, there's so many different things you can do on Tifosi Optics. It's awesome. They are so, and they're great people to work with. They are some of the nicest people. If you have to talk to their customer service, they give you Southern hospitality right there. It's pretty darn awesome. And a way for you to save ten percent, all you have to do in the coupon code is put Earth Station One. That's right, tofosioptics.com, your place for sunglasses. And now we're here with our new friend, Ted Lange. Welcome to the show. 
Well, thank you very much, Mike and Mike. And it is an honor to have you here on the station. Welcome aboard, uh, as we say, right? Yes, that's right. As you said, for, what, a decade? Yeah, about 10 years. That's all I was saying. I was happy to say it, too. That's um, unbelievable, your run on Love Boat. 10 years. That is is impressive. Um, That's very good. And recently, you got together with the cast, right? You guys did one of these, like, big Zoom charity calls right yeah Reunions. we did a charity thing for the actors fun and when they got everybody together everybody still looked pretty good you know mm-hmm. we still hanging in so that was nice and it was nice that we could do it for the actors you know yes yeah especially since your show is all about having guest stars and reoccurring actors and everything so you yeah. you definitely spotlight a lot of folks on your show Oh, man, I'm telling you, it was a joy to go into work because you didn't know who you were going to meet, you know, <laughs> this week. Who was it going to be this week? We had the Mills family, John Mills, Haley Mills, and uh, what's your sister's name? I can't, Juliet, Juliet Mills. The Mills family from England all did an episode together of The Love Boat. So, wow. you know, yeah, it was it was great. Gene Kelly and Yvette Mimio. We just had everybody come through. And then we had the younger people like Tom Hanks on his way up, Martin Short, Billy Crystal. They were all on their way up. They came through and did the, the show. Uh, Lonnie Anderson, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, one of the ones that I remember the most is is Robot Isaac. <laughs> oh, with Janet Jackson. With Janet huh? Jackson. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. so on the one side, on the one hand, you've got this, you know, fairly ridiculous plot of Robot Isaac, right? Um, um, yeah. Armed Robot Isaac stealing an $8 million horse. And and on yeah. the other hand, you've got, you you get a chance to to make out with Janet Jackson in, in what appears to be Stockholm. I don't know if you guys were actually there. Yeah, no, we were there, man. We were there. What they would do is they'd have a lunch and they'd say, okay... When we come off of break, we're going to Stockholm. Mm. And you go, wow. You know, when we come off the break, we're going to Hong Kong. Wow. Whoa. So, yeah, they used to give us these luncheons once a year and kind of lay out what the plan was and who some of the guest stars they were trying to get, you know, mm-hmm. not always successful. But they, you know, they did pretty well. You know, we resurrected some careers for some of the old timers and validated the younger guys as, you know, you're on the right track. So yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah. We were, we would go all over the world uh-huh. for uh, six weeks and we do three, two hour specials. Okay. And in the course of that, so like if we went to the Orient, we'd go to Hong Kong, we'd go to Beijing, China, and then we'd go to Japan, whatever area we were in, they would, tried to loop in stories so that, you know, wherever the ship was going to go, that's where we went, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? That, and, and I think that uh, that one I'm referring to, that, that story was a two-parter, or a two-hour one, I think. Uh, it was a special. Yes, it was a two-hour one. We had Telly Savalas with us. Yep. He was the, the, <laughs> the mastermind. Yeah, the inventor of the Isaac Robot. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. But that's really cool because, yeah, I'd forgotten – uh, that you know, because I recently rewatched it too, just to refresh my memory, and uh, and it's available on uh, CBS All Access for those people who want to watch the Love Boat. It's all there. Uh, all ten mm-hmm. seasons uh, are there, um, and uh, and so yeah, I was watching that, and I'd forgotten that. In addition to you know spotlighting a lot of actors, yeah, you guys do spend a lot of time as a travelogue to different places. 
Yeah, we you would be there, and then something would come out of your mouth that was pure exposition. Pure, <laughs> you know. Did you know that there are two and a half million people here in Paris, and they usually drink red wine? You know, I mean, and, and you go, "Oh, Isaac, jeez, I didn't know that." You know, so yeah, we we actually made it uh, uh, a travel log for people that were stuck somewhere, couldn't get out of their house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they'd get and learn something about wherever we were well back in the day yeah. this is pre-internet this is a lot of i mean a lot of people watch the love boat just to see different locations probably to plan out their own vacation yeah well they we would showcase the places i remember we went to egypt and uh, john astin you know john ah, astin yes. oh yeah sure. Gomez. he and i man we got along famously and we went so we would go to uh, all of the tourist places in Cairo. We were in Cairo. And then so John wanted to go off the beaten path, and so did I. So he and I hooked up, and we would go to these other places. We'd get in a taxi. Where can we get a good meal? And they said, well, the so-and-so. So I said, no, we've been there. That's kind of true. Where do the natives go? Where do the people, you know, mm-hmm. oh. And they go, yeah, I got the place for you. And they take us off to some out of the way, you know, restaurant or cafe or something. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, that, it seems oh, like it me. seems like y'all were just having a blast uh, for the entire duration. I mean, ten years—that's a long time to be on a, on any project. I would imagine. Well, yeah, but you you know when you you know every week was different. You got guest stars coming in with the you know different things going on, so it didn't feel like a tough job Mm. you know my father was a plasterer when you plaster a building that's a tough job yeah yeah right walk in and you have a scene with uh janet jackson that's not so hard (laughs) i can imagine (laughs) yeah and i can do that you know that was only like a couple years before she became like she really blew up and became huge right after that man she blew up she was 17 and turned 18 on that trip mm. and i'm 30 years old and i went i said I, this is a kid i can't be having a room he said no we're gonna schedule it so she's 18 when you have to kiss her so, <laughs> <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they schedule the shooting yeah, you're in scandinavia it doesn't matter that the age doesn't matter in scandinavia right <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. that's very cool it's very cool i think I think when I was thinking about it, you and ironically enough, Ted Danson, two guys named Ted are probably the most famous TV bartenders in the history of the medium. Oh yeah. And one time we were at the opening of a musical. Uh, There was some play in Hollywood at the Pantages and we were sitting together. Oh really? (laughs) Ted Danson and I were sitting together and Juliet Prowse came on um, down the aisle, and she said, "Ted," and we both turned. <laughs> she probably just wanted to order a drink. <laughs> and, uh, and so I said, "No, she's talking to me, Ted. She's not talking." <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But she had guest starred on our show. Oh, right, right. Who, who, who yeah, didn't? Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, who didn't at that time? Yeah, it was like, right. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it was a, truly a who's who of Hollywood. <laughs> Well, as much as yeah. I love your work on on uh, Love Boat, I have to tell you, I am a big fan of Pam Greer. So I have to ask you about Whoa. Friday Foster, man. Like, 
Like that is and the, the the director was a guy named Arthur Marks. Okay. M A R K S. So I'm sitting up one day and I'm watching my television cuz uh, 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 we have uh, Me TV down here, and Me TV they show Perry Mason. Right. Arthur Marks, the director of that movie, worked his way up from associate producer to director on Perry Mason with Raymond Burr. Wow. Wow. And I'm going, oh, because you know you you bump into Spielberg, you know where he came from. But <laughs> some of these, you don't know where they came from. So it, it was kind of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, that was so one you, of your I very early roles, right? I played the film. Huh? That was one of your very early roles, right? Very early. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I think the first three or four movies, I was always a pimp. Mm. <laughs> they say, hey, we need to get... I, I can do that. I've done that before. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Uh, yeah, I did another one called The Double Con. It was originally called Trick Baby, and I played a pimp in that and the the way I got that movie was I went in for an audition I was living in New York it was a Hollywood movie shooting on the east coast and uh, I went in it was one line it was a guy opens the door and says he's not here and closes the door that was the part and I I turned to the camera and I said is this the is this the they said yeah but we have a part that's a bigger part but that's for a pimp and you obviously don't look like a pimp. And so uh, when I got a, a second audition, I went up to Harlem. I bought the biggest burgundy pimp hat you could get. <laughs> and I went to the audition dressed as a pimp. And so they said, oh, well, you're obviously here for the, that role. So here are the sides. And, you know, and I auditioned and I got the role. Wow. Yeah. The uh, it, Friday Foster was one of the ones that it seemed like Pam was making like like towards the. I mean, she had already been established then. It seemed like that one was a little bit more of a budget than some of the earlier ones that she done, like Coffee and even Foxy Brown, and and it had a huge, a great cast. Well, of course you were, too. yeah, yeah. No, the I mean, uh, Eartha Kitt was in yeah. it. Carl Weathers was in it before Rocky. So, and uh, Scatman Carruthers, so all, it did, it had a, a, a big budget in that regard. Yeah. But now, you know, I think now that I know that it was Arthur Marks, probably he uh, squeezed some money out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a TV show. Were those productions pretty much just go in and out and really quick or, or were they, um, like, quick and dirty, my friend, yeah. Mike, yeah. quick and dirty. <laughs> One time I, I was directing a show called, um, uh, Dharma and Greg. And I was talking mm-hmm. to the, um, uh, cinematographer, the DP. We we're talking about, he worked out at film school and I went to American film Institute. So we we're talking about what it, happens when you go and one of the actors on that show was putting me in the dumper on Dharma and Greg and I'm not going to tell you who it was Thomas Gibson but I was, <laughs> I was, I was he would stall he would do things to mess you up uh, and so when I saw this thing where he punched some guy you know not surprised but I, I, I remember they, they came to me and they said hey we're going to have to um to do this because you're not going to make the day. I said, no, I'll make the day. 
He said, no, it's impossible. You'll never make the day. I said, no, I can make the day. And uh, they said, okay, we'll see. Because they were going to, they had live audiences. Mm -hmm. And if you sure. have to go block, camera blocked before the live audience day, you were in trouble. And they said, I couldn't finish the blocking. So I went over to the DP and I said, you went to film school, right? They go, he goes, yeah. I said, uh, I got a problem. Can we do this quick and dirty? And he looked at me. He said, no problem, Ted. <laughs> and we, oh, that's awesome. I, we, were, we were setting up shots and boom, 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 and the lights. Dun, dun, dun. And all it is is you're throwing in the major lights that you're not fine-tuning it. You know, you're just doing it quick and dirty. And then what he would do is he'd clean it up on the day of the shoot. So uh, I got us all through and out and done. Uh, and so, yeah, it was it was a good thing. So it's good to know stuff like that. I mean, that was the great thing about film school is that you learned, uh, um, you know, the different aspects of filming. And then if you need that, you can call on that, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I was going to – Oh, definitely. That's a great lead-in because I was just about to say, I mean, most people know you from, of course, your acting gigs. But, yeah, you've done a lot of work behind the camera. And I was wondering, was that something you were interested in very early on? Well, uh, Mike, I'm going to make a confession to you. I just didn't want to be a plasterer. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I okay. get that. <laughs> so, so I went for acting first, and then someone t told me, he said, you should have some backup in case the acting thing doesn't. So backup, how do you, well, directing, writing. So I then started studying directing, and that's when I went to the American Film Institute to become a director. And then at the same time, I was writing and I would uh, do writing projects. They had a minorities writing project at Warner Brothers. So if the acting thing closed, I would go to the directing thing. If the directing and the acting closed, I would go to the writing thing. If anything else closed, I was in trouble. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I got a show on right now on uh, it's streaming for americanstage.org if you go to americanstage.org i just directed a one-man show called satchmo at the waldorf and it stars l peter calendar it's a one-man show this guy is brilliant and it's all about louis armstrong and his life and he plays these different characters and louis armstrong's uh you know throughout louis armstrong's career and we did it in streaming right now. Satchmo at the Waldorf, AmericanStage.org. So that sounds really good. Yeah, we I will definitely have a link to that in our show notes because I do definitely want people to check that out. Uh, I'm a big fan of jazz too, so that yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. Well, man, he peels away who Louis Armstrong was. I mean, you find out the whole deal, his whole life, how he started out, and how he evolved as a not only a trumpet player, but a singer, you know, and uh, that all of that is the story is told. And that's what we did. Were you were you involved with that one from the ground up or did you come in later? Or how, how would you get involved with that? What one? happened is I, I wrote a play called Four Queens, No Trump. And L. Peter Callender has a theater in San Francisco. So they wanted to do my play, uh, Four Queens, No Trump. And I said, oh, okay. And so he saw me working with, they cast it. They, they, they had to find the four black women. There's four black women that meet and play bid whist. 
And so he cast the women out of his troupe and he saw how I worked with actors and he had a deal with American stage to do the Satchmo thing. And so he said, would you direct me in Satchmo? I said, yeah, of course, I'm happy to. Because I knew the play and the guy that originated the part was a guy named John Douglas Thompson. And John Douglas and I did... Uh, Lear, King Lear together up in Harlem in New York about five years earlier. Wow. And so uh, when he was on tour in the play, I went and saw him in it. And so I knew what the play was. And uh, I told Peter, yeah, absolutely, I'll direct you in that. And so I got to have fun. I got mirror shots and, you know, <laughs> we're doing stuff with lighting. When the bad guy comes in, it goes dark. and You know, so it was a lot of fun. That sounds yes, that sounds really cool. Um, and as far as working on stage, is that something that that came to you later, or did you start with? Did you start earlier in stage than you did on TV? No, no, I started. I started on stage. That's okay. how. So, like when I was eighteen years old, I graduated from high school. There was an audition in San Francisco because I'm from Oakland. There was an audition for Romeo and Juliet, and so I went and auditioned for Romeo, and I got the part. Now, Mike, here's the, here's the tough part. I told people for years, I walked in off the street and I just read this Shakespeare and they gave me the part. You know, I, I earned this part. And so I saw some guy about 10 years later, something like that, one of the guys that was in the show, and I said, hey, remember so-and-so? And so I just walked in off the street. He said, Ted, you don't remember that? I said, what are you talking about? He says, you were 18. All the other guys that auditioned for Romeo were 35. (laughs) Oh, that is awesome. You were the only choice if they were going to do about young lovers. These other guys, you know. You know know what, though? It's all about timing sometimes. And you just happen to be at the right place at the right time. Sure did. Sure did. And that that, uh, held me in good stead for years. Uh, being able to do Shakespeare. And that's why I went on and I did Othello, as you know, Mike. And mm-hmm. uh, King Lear I did in New York. So there's a number I did. Taming of the Shrew with Lauren Tweez from Love Boat. Oh, wow. We I was say, that, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> we did it in Reno. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was fantastic. And so one of the uh, newspapers was interviewing her and they said, so, you know, you play Julie McCoy. Isn't isn't this a, a really difficult playing Kate the Shrew? And Twee said, actually, this part is easy. It's being Julie McCoy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got to be sweet and nice. <laughs> that, that was great. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we had it. And plus, we had a great chemistry on stage. So it was it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. imagine there's a big yeah. Well, technically, written wise, in you know, pen wise, story wise, there's a big difference between Love Boat and, of course, uh, Shakespeare. But yeah, absolutely. so I would imagine, and I know you know a lot of you guys that did, were in the cast, Bernie, Gavin, were very, very talented actors. So I did, oh. I do wonder if uh, ten years of doing that was creatively kind of a stretch for you guys. Like, was was it hard? Well, I mean, that's why, Mike. That's why they turn you into a, ra- a robot. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go, oh, what are we going to do this week? Let's make Ted a robot. <laughs> yeah. 
no, they would give Bernie uh, different actresses to kiss, and he was a happy camper. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Well, they, the stuff came up, and, and uh, you know, we did, uh, I'll never forget, we did one that was kind of like a spy mystery mm. in Hong Kong with uh, Gene Kelly as a spy, and, and me and Fred Grandy were chasing him. We had trench coats and fedoras and all of that, you know. So, no, it was fun, you know. Uh, there was another one that. that was sort of a fantasy one that you guys were, like, in World War II, like on a, on a, on a carrier or something like that. It was like a World War yeah. II type type one yes. i do remember that one a little bit too and that was just that was a really a big deal for you guys yeah and we did another one where we were rock and roll it was called gopher and the holes and we were uh, a rock and roll band and they had me they dressed me up and they gave me a big wig and some clothes on I look just like Billy Preston. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's awesome. And they gave me a little electric piano. So I was playing the piano, and I went to a club called the Comedy Store. Mike, you remember the Comedy Store? Oh, sure. Of course. I went, I went to the, the Comedy We did Mike Douglas, and we were promoing the show. And so we, I had all these rock and roll clothes for the, the stint that we did on Mike Douglas. And I went to the Comedy Store about a week later, and the guy says, Ted. I saw you on Douglas, Mike Douglas. Wow, I didn't know you knew how to play the piano. <laughs> I didn't know how to play the piano. I'm faking the piano, but of course, <laughs> the music is recorded and they think I know how to play it. I said, oh yeah, I've been playing the piano for years, man. <laughs> take take the credit where you can get it, as they like take to the say. Credit anytime they give it to you, buddy. It's like when they ask you if you can do something, you always say yes, right? That's it. <laughs> That's it. That, that's the actor's uh, uh, creed right there. Is they like when, when I went into interview for Love Boat, they said, "Do you get seasick?" I go, "No, I don't get seasick." Do you know? You need a guy, an actor that doesn't get. That's yeah, that's me. I never get seasick. Got seasick when we were going to San Francisco. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was going to ask you before Love Boat, had you ever even been on a boat before? Never, never been on a boat. <laughs> Never been on and and didn't want to do the show because uh, I had a pilot in the making with Jimmy Comack. I don't know if you remember Jimmy Comack. He did uh, Courtship of Eddie's Father. Oh sure, and, yeah. And uh, Chico and the Man oh, yeah, and right. all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So he he said I'm going to do a series around you, Ted, and I'm going to get a holding deal from CBS and we're going to go to CBS and do this because I had done a, a guest start on another series for him and they, it was only supposed to be a guest star, but they kept bringing me back, bringing me back, bringing me back because he liked my sense of humor. So uh, my agent says, Hey, they are going to do this pilot called love boat and ABC TV wants you. And I said, eh, you know, I read that script and I, you know, I'm not crazy about it. You know, I mean, I had very little, and particularly in the pilot, I had very little to do. I had three scenes, one scene when they got on, one scene when they got off, and one scene where I gave a guy a drink and I said three lines. So I said to my agent, I said, I don't want to do that. And he says, so listen, let me ask you something. Have you ever been on a cruise to Mexico? I go, no, no. Has your girlfriend ever been on a cruise to Mexico? No, no, I'm pretty sure she hasn't. He says, well, if you do this part in this pilot, you're going to get $10,000. 
They're going to take you to Mexico, Acapulco. And because you don't have that much to do, you can actually see the city that you're in. Mazatlan, Puerto Vallarta. I go, oh, I never thought he's a, it's a gift. Ted, take the gift. And I said, okay, take the gift. Lucky thing I did, too. Oh, yeah. Because Tomac went right down the commode, and I, I was lucky I was on this show. Well, it just never, never know. Yeah, absolutely. And it's allowed you so much opportunities to do other things. Um, and other than the one man show that you've just released uh, that you've directed, what else, what else are you up to? Well, I, I've got, I've written 25 plays. Okay. So four, four of them I have on YouTube. Uh, one of them, you, you see this picture over my shoulder. I can see that. Yes. And uh, you mean, you mean Shakespeare? Shakespeare. I got a play called Shakespeare Over My Shoulder. Uh-huh. So what you do is you go to YouTube, type in my name, then type in the title of the play, Shakespeare Over My Shoulder. And I wrote a play about who really wrote the Shakespearean plays. Because there's been a controversy for 400 years that it was Christopher Marlowe, Edward de Vere, Francis Bacon, or William Shakespeare. I wrote sure. a People gave me all this information, and I like—I love history. So what I do is I tend to distill it down so that it's not only entertaining, you'll learn something about Shakespeare, but you'll be educated on some of his plays. And uh, that play takes place during a pandemic, so also it's kind of a relief. Uh, but I, did, I wrote that. I wrote another play, a Black Lives Matter play called Blues in My Coffee. And uh, in the Irish theater, uh, the tavern was where, where the Irish used to go, they drink, and then the, the play would unfold. And so my whole premise with Blues in My Coffee is that it's Starbucks. And so you go to Starbucks, and if you think about it, everybody does everything in Starbucks. Mm-hmm. They, they, sure. Oh, yeah. They're going to meet somebody for lunch, or they got, you know what I mean? So. I just, instead of using the Irish tavern, I use Starbucks, and it's two black guys that fall in love uh, with these two girls, and it's the uh, uh, it's really Black Lives Matter, but I did it in a comedic vein, so you don't see it coming, you don't see the, the issue coming. Then I did a a third play that I have on the air called The Tears of Shylock. And that has to do with immigration because there was a big thing going on here with the past administration about immigration. Oh, yeah. So I wrote a play about a Merchant of Venice mm-hmm. and Shylock, the character who is an immigrant in Venice. But because of my Shakespeare background, I added Othello because Othello also takes place in Venice. And so I have this thing, and they're both talking about being immigrants as well as other things that come into their life, you know. Uh, so that song, that's so Tears of Shylock, Shakespeare Over My Shoulder, Blues in My Coffee, and the fourth one is the one I was talking about earlier about the four black women, uh, four queens, no Trump. Mm-hmm. And that's a straight-up comedy about four women that meet and play Bidwiss every Friday. So those are... Those are some of my plays. And then, and then what I do is I go around the country because I've got so many plays. There's a lot of different black theaters. I'll go to the black theaters and I say, what kind of a play do you need? 
So well, what do you mean? Do you need a comedy? Do you want a history play? What do you What are you looking for? Because I've got a history play about George Washington and his favorite slave. He said, "Well, we need to play with uh, five characters." I got it, and then I'll pitch pitch the idea, and usually they'll say yes, and I'll go to that city, and they'll give me a car, place to stay, and a little salary, and I work with the actors, the community actors there. And we do my place. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, hopefully we can get to a position where we can start doing that again, because I'm sure that's been on a little bit on hiatus, cool. difficult the last year or so, right? Yeah, man. Come on. Wow. I was doing, I was directing Fences in Syracuse, New York, right at the time they said, we're shutting down all the theaters. Mm. So we never opened. Wow. Ah. Never opened. And I had a great great cast in the production and we were jamming man and at one point they thought we were going to film it too you know but then uh, new york said no boom no theater in at all so they keep saying that after this whole thing is done that you know i can come back and finish doing the the production but yeah you know this whole thing has been kind of rough in that we can't do theater the regular way. I've been doing a lot of Zoom readings. Like we're doing a meeting now. There there have been a couple of people I know in theater that have been doing readings of plays, and we put them on Zoom and invite the audience in. And that's the same thing with uh, Satchmo at the Waldorf is. It's really streaming so that they keep this theater alive, you know? And that's oh, yeah, the that's definitely one of the great things that they're doing right now is all the fundraisers for all the different theaters and such because these poor people who work at the theaters and the actors, they're not getting paid, yeah. you know. And my niece is a costume designer on Broadway, and she's been out of work pretty much since, you know. Yeah, well, sure. They've, they've shut the doors. There's nothing you can do. Right. There's a the costume where you've got to be in the theater. You've got to, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, exactly. we're, we're all, uh, you know, managing the money that we do have mm -hmm. so that when we're, we're not in a hole when this whole thing ends, you know, so that we can go back to doing what we love. Yeah, exactly. it's tough. You really, uh, when I was a kid in New York, I was in the 70s, I was 20 years old. You know, I didn't have any money, Mike and Mike. Mm -hmm. So whenever I, I got a gig, <laughs> whenever I, whenever I got a gig, I would take uh, some beautiful actress out or some girl I knew out, and uh, the girl would say, "Well, I'll I'll pay for you know we can go Dutch." I said, "No, no, you don't understand. I've got money right now, so no, I, I'm going to buy you dinner." However. There may come a time in a couple of months where I won't have any money. And that's when I want you to fix me dinner. <laughs> so, oh, oh, oh. You had a plan. You me. had a plan there. Yeah, oh, man. That's I was awesome. like, hey, Janice, what, Ted, how are you? Uh, I sure would like to have dinner with you. And they go, come on over, you know? So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, in, in a sense... Your enemy is the city of New York. It's your friend and it's your enemy. And you have to figure out how to navigate New York, how to get, you know, how to get into auditions and how to stay alive, so to speak. You know, one of the things that I would do when I was hustling, I, was, I would have a crock pot and I'd leave at 10 o'clock in the morning. But before I left, I put two steaks in the crock pot 
mushrooms, a can of mushroom soup, and little red potatoes. So when I got home at six o'clock, there was my dinner. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, man. You have to figure out. You got to, you know, the how do I, how do I get, I, you know, this is tough. I don't have that much money and I got to try to stay alive, you know? And so that's what I would do in order, you know, I would try to figure out ways. Half of the deal is not just being talented or being able to act a part. Part of it is survival in the city of New York. You know? I love it, and all these and all these years, you're all these years later, you're still hustling, still hustling, man, still hustling. I just, That's awesome. I, oh yeah, I met some woman named. I mean, not, I didn't meet her. I was uh, I, I worked at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I did fall staff at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and then, so I'm on their list. And they sent me this thing on uh, uh, the different artistic directors at repertory companies around the country. And they were minority uh, directors, artistic directors. So there's a woman in St. Louis rep named Hannah, and black woman who's now running uh, St. Louis rep. And so I saw on this thing where they were all talking, da 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 da, blah blah blah. blah. And so I've got a, a book. Wait, let me show you. I've got this. Okay, this is my. Um, Book of Plays, three plays. Footnote Historians Trilogy. Footnote Historians Trilogy. So I saw this woman with these other uh, artistic directors in this kind of like a Zoom meeting, and they're talking about plays and what they're looking for and what they want. I sent this to each one of the artistic directors, you know, and I just got a letter back today from Hannah saying, hey, got your letter, I'm going to read your plays, and maybe in the future we can do something. But that's the hustle. Yeah. You got to coming at them. That's what Bernie always says. Bernie says to me, keep coming at him, Ted. Just keep coming at him. <laughs> right. And, and he's, right, he's another guy that's a hustler. It's Bernie Coppell. He's on, uh, on um, uh, what's this one about blood? Be, be positive. Bernie's on that television. But he hustled that gig. Mm-hmm. Bernie hustled that gig. And he told me how he hustled. I said, okay. He says, keep coming at him. That's what I'm doing. I said, okay, Bernie. You know, And that was the beauty of uh, Love Boat is I made friendships that have lasted from 1978 to this very moment. Uh, 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 two years ago, Fred Grandy and I did I'm Not Rappaport. And we did it on yeah, oh. we did it on stage. And he and I, I'm telling you, I was worried, do we still have the chemistry that we had mm-hmm. when we were kids, you know? We did this play, Mike and Mike, we were jamming. <laughs> we were jamming because we love each other's sense of humor and we we respect each other as actors so we were on stage you know and when it's his time boom you know go ahead fred and then when it's my turn go ahead ted you know we um we we and and because it was gopher and isaac getting back together we did we so did sold out business oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure yeah theater in syracuse new york so yeah we you know that that so i'm i'm good with jill Whelan, who played the daughter, Lauren Tweese, who's up 
She's living in Seattle now. Gavin, Bernie, Fred, we're all still good friends. That, that's good to hear. That's really good to hear. And we are so glad that you are, that you continue to hustle and you are welcome back to come uh, on and hustle some more with us at any time you can, <laughs> anytime you can, okay, we'd love to have you. Uh, and we will definitely have links to all your stuff in our show notes so people can check it out easily. Is there one site that people should go to? Um, the, the YouTube, if you just uh, uh, go to YouTube, type in my name, you'll see my shows. And then I've also got a film series called players at the poker palace. That's all on YouTube. Okay. 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 Well, we will definitely send people that way. All right. Ted, thank, Ted, you so thank you so much for joining us. It's been so much fun having you here. My pleasure, gentlemen. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. I'm super excited because, as I mentioned in my last blurb, we have several new geek movies and content coming out in the month of March to talk about. So, super exciting to finally have some new content. Previously, I talked a little bit about the animated movie Raya and the Last Dragon and then Chaos Walking. And this week, we're going to talk about the big one. That's right. It's Zack Snyder's redone version of Justice League. The whole story of this movie is just so fascinating to me. Justice League came out several years back. I only saw it once and was not really a big fan of it. I'm actually a little bit of a Batman versus Superman apologist. Sure, it's a flawed movie, but I think there's some really interesting ideas in that movie. And the Justice League movie just really dropped the ball. Joss Whedon was brought in to kind of finish up the movie after Zack Snyder had to step away due to a personal tragedy. And of course, we've now come out with allegations about Joss Whedon being a difficult director to work with and inappropriate behavior in that regard. So there's just a whole lot of negativity going around with that original cut of Justice League. And I remember seeing, you know, the hashtag release the Snyder cut on social media a long time ago. It's fans that wanted to see Zack Snyder's vision of the movie, wanted him to redo it. I honestly never believed that happened, would happen. Like, what movie studio is going to go back, completely redo a movie just because the fans say so? But apparently it worked, and now we are getting to see the Snyder Cut. I know some people are skeptical, but I'm actually really excited about this because I, for one, really did not like Justice League. So for me, it can't get worse. Like, this can only improve the movie and make me enjoy it more. And I'm also curious to see just what Zack Snyder's original vision for this movie was. If it will be closer to what the cast and crew had in mind and what this will mean for the overall DC Cinematic Universe. So, I'm really excited to tune into March to see how this movie is going to go. Again, it may be a dumpster fire. It may not work, but this is going to be a really significant experiment because if this works and is successful, I think it brings into question a lot of fans' relationship with creators and how fans drive content. I also am a little bit concerned about that because I think you don't make great art just by catering to what 
the broad range of people say they want. Sometimes you have to subvert that and push artistic boundaries in order to create some really great stuff. But anyway, it's all, like I said before, just a huge fascinating experiment. And I can't wait to talk more about the Snyder Cut of Justice League once it comes out. Great things are coming on the Nerd Bliss podcast. We're changing up our presentation while keeping the candidness that you enjoy. We'll cover all your favorite shows and movies with maybe a few surprises along the way. And you, yes, you will have opportunities to be on our show on a regular basis. That's right. You've got the Zoom Pro account and we're going to use it. So be ready. Find us at nerdblisspodcast.com and esonetwork.com and on all the socials at NerdBlissPod. NerdBliss, listen up. there welcome back to earth station one now it is time to get started with our 2021 rock and roll hall nominees mikey ready to take it away absolutely and uh yeah it's a little bit it's happening a little bit later than uh it used to uh usually it's um at the end of the year so everything was pushed back because of you know pandemic so uh so now here we are finally with our list of uh sweet 16 shall we call it i don't know um <laughs> but uh and of course we we've got our own rock hall nominees here with us our music crew uh ricky and bambi are here hello hello howdy folks and michelle is back with us of course hello howdy so yes we've got so many nominees such a little little bit of time and yeah we're gonna try to talk about our our personal connections, our feelings about each one of these acts. Um, and because there's so many of them and there's so, uh, I guess there, there's, there's such a variety. Um, I saw that uh, apparently this year, um, this is the most gender inclusive ballot in history with uh, seven acts featuring women. Yep. So uh, I think it's a credit to um, you and some of the other bloggers, Michelle, that you guys have managed to uh, make this happen. we campaigned hard to uh to uh, get some inclusivity here and we are very excited about this ballot excellent excellent and uh also um there are a couple of people who are this will be their second time in right if they get in yeah if if tina turner gets in and or carol king get in they will each be the second and they, they could be the second and third women. Um, oh, gotcha. Once. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, are there any women that's in more than once? Stevie, right? No, only Stevie. Only Stevie is in there once, is, is in there twice. Uh, and then on the male side, yeah, Dave Grohl would be in twice if yeah. he gets in with the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. So, so all right, let's, it's a big list. So let's start um, and we'll start and we'll do an alphabetical order. So uh, we will start with Miss Mary J. Blige. Uh, Bambi, what do you know about Mary J? 90s music. That's what I think. <laughs> I hear her, her singing in the 90s. <laughs> I, uh, I must admit, I, I, I don't think I could name a Mary J. Blige song. I, don't I think can I... hear them in my head, but I can't name like what the titles are. Like I can hear her voice, but... I can't give you specifics other than I can recognize her when I hear. Her. Yeah. So, I mean, I know she's a, she's a, she's a, a force, 
you know, as yeah, far as... Yeah, she's got a great voice. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, any thoughts about Mary J on you, by you? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Mike? Um, I'm going to sound very white on this, but I know maybe like two songs by her. What I've heard, I liked, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert on her at all, by mm-hmm. any means. Michelle? Don't know a lot about her, I have to admit. I was doing a little research. Um, she's the only artist with Grammy wins in R&B, pop, hip-hop, and gospel. I mean, she has built a phenomenal career. I don't think this is her year for the hall, um, but definitely it's in her future. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, oh, cool. All right. So now we'll move on to Kate Bush. Well, I was going to say one other thing with Mary J. Blige. Oh, yeah. Think of her from Umbrella Academy. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she's she has, awesome. She, she has become quite the, uh, the actress. kick-ass actress. Yes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'd forgotten about that. Good she's, call. She's the only person, I think, to get an Academy Award nomination for acting and songwriting in the same year. Oh, wow. wow. For, for Mudbound. Gotcha. That's cool. That's good to know. That's history there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah, now we'll go with... Uh, and this is the first time Mary J's been nominated? Yes. Uh, first or... I think first. it's her first. first? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Kate Bush has been nominated before. 2018. 2018. So a couple years ago. Um, personally, I love Kate Bush. Um, I, 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 I've, uh, was, I discovered her late. I discovered her in college. I think the, the first album that I had of hers was, uh, like it was greatest hits, like the whole story, right? That's her greatest hits. And, uh, but I quickly became a fan after that. And, uh, she's an amazing, amazing vocalist. Um, she does write her own stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, she doesn't tour very often. She's pretty shy about that, right? Singing in public? She, she's notorious for not wanting to perform. Yeah. She, um, what year was it? 20, 2014, she just out of the blue announced this residency at Hammersmith Odeon, and it sold out in 15 minutes. Whew. It was like, a whole series of shows and they all win in 15 minutes and eight of her albums went back into the chart. She's, she's a legend in great Britain, not so much here, um, which kind of hurts her, but um, without Kate Bush, you don't have artists like St. Vincent or Lady Gaga. No, not at all. No, she, Kate Bush was a performance artist on top of being a musician and she was just amazing early 80s and she was still like a teenager Mm -hmm. at that time and she was what she had come out with was just amazing and her voice was so haunting it was just like nothing you had ever heard before yeah it definitely wasn't like typical like rock diva no not at all and a lot of people here know her with the duet she did with peter gabriel oh right and more than you know her solo stuff but what duet would that be yeah <laughs> that was don't give up yep don't give up. and but i'm like and i'm all the artists on here i'm like i seriously don't know any of her music <laughs> i know her name but i don't know any of her songs do you know uh running up that hill weathering heights 
And no. Running up that hill was pretty big. Mm-hmm. Uh, the video was on a lot. That's yeah. what had had Donald Sutherland in it, I think, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe it's one of those things where I, I'd know the song if I heard it, but it's not, it doesn't sound like it doesn't ring any bells just saying the title. She also worked really briefly with Prince. Uh, yes, she, she did. Prince, yeah. So I thought I, I've always, uh, anybody who can hang with Prince um, is, is good enough in my book. So. All right, so that's Kate Bush. Uh, then we'll go with the uh, the aforementioned Foo Fighters is the next act. Um, Ricky, you know about the Foo Fighters? Oh, did I'm I miss one? Them, yes. <laughs> Do you have an opinion on them being put into the Rock and Roll Hall? Or an opinion about them in general? Steve <laughs> <laughs> Crow, man. I... Uh... I th- I think that they're a pretty solid rock band. That's fair. <laughs> I am. Um, okay. I think, um, yeah. Bambi, what do you think about the Foo Fighters? I think they're really influential on a, a lot of people. And I don't know. I I could see them being in there. It just, I guess I think of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Personally, it feels like it would be artists that really influenced music like future musicians and things like that and i could totally see Foo fighters being a huge influence on people i know a lot of younger kids now that are really big foo fighters fans mm-hmm. no i don't know i i approve of that one i like that one and dave Grohl is the nicest guy in rock and roll so <laughs> dave Grohl is rock and roll isn't he like he's just he shows up everywhere um <laughs> And, and and he's already in uh, with Nirvana, mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. little band of his. Um, and uh, I mean, for as a follow-up band, you know, Foo Fighters is pretty strong. That's pretty cool. Know. He makes it as a drummer, and then later as a guitar player frontman. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's absolutely true. Um, Mike, any more thoughts on the Foo Fighters? Well, Foo Fighters, you know, it's like Bambi said. For a lot of younger people nowadays, they are a very influential group. And, you know, for Dave to go, like you said, from being a drummer and, you know, backup in Nirvana to fronting his own band for over 25 years now, it's just amazing. And to this day, they, they're still selling out concerts and they're as popular as they have been. Michelle? Solid rock band, I would say, um, well, Dave's on the nominating committee, um, interestingly enough. Um, I think they have a very good shot at getting in. Um, They're definitely a solid band, and I think they've done almost as much for music with their filmmaking as they're playing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I I mean, I, I dig them. I don't know if it wasn't for Dave and the Nirvana connection. I don't know that I would feel as strongly about them as I do. I mean, it's more like I, it's more like Dave Grohl should be in than mm-hmm. to me than the Foo Fighters. It's a band should be in. Um, but if you, I mean, also, I like, if you I think like about, stuff, if you think but, about them though, Mikey, they are the last really big band that had you know for over the you know if you think about it, you know over the last. 10, 15 years, there are a lot of solo artists, but there's not a lot of rock bands that have come out. And, you know, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. And 
truthfully, the first couple times I heard Foo Fighters, I had no idea it was Dave Grohl. I right. didn't even know. And it's like, I like this stuff. This is good stuff. And, you know, it won me over that way. Yeah, I remember their first album, I think, being pretty good. I think I have that one, and I even have their second one. But I think after that, I kind of died off because I just didn't, I kind of, I don't know, it didn't really strike me as, as being that great. Oh, yeah. The first one's all Dave Grohl. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He recorded the entire thing sort of in a downtime for Nirvana. Oh, and he's one of those guys that played everything and all that? Yep. Because wow. he's awesome. Because he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, I guess if, you know, Dave Grohl should get in, you know, if he's not going to get in by himself, uh, I guess, you know, um, Foo Fighters would be just as good, I guess. Um, all right. So I accidentally skipped a band, and I don't mean to skip them because they've been skipped yeah. a, a few times um, uh, in, in this ballot before, <laughs> and that's Devo. Oh, and that's... Uh, uh, so yeah, going alphabetically, I actually uh, looked overlooked Evo, and I'm sorry, but they've been overlooked a few times because this is not their first time on the ballot, right, Michelle? No. Second. Second. Oh, only their second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd think they'd be on there more. Yeah, I can't. Uh, you know, Devo is is hugely influential, um, and uh, yeah, I can't imagine them not getting in. Any more about them? Well, me personally, I'm like, they're the one I would want to get in. Could you imagine the exhibit? That would look so freaking cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would probably, of everybody on this list, that would probably be the most visibly stunning exhibit. Oh, yeah. You know, you'd have the flower pot hats right there, you know. Yep. The iconic flower pot heads, right? Well, exactly. And... The, you know the plastic hair and you know it's <laughs> they were they were awesome you know top 40 wise they only had whip it was their only really big hit but you know they had so many other ones you know i put devo in the same category as ramones talking heads all that era of you know rock and true influencers and they they paved the way for 80s music the synth- synthesizers and everything. They were way before their time. And not only musically, but they're like visually. They're visually, true. Exactly. You know, and the one of the best, you know, quotes I ever heard is, you know, the folks from Devo said Weird Al wrote the best Devo song ever with Dare to be Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I remember their... Their first appearance on Saturday Night Live is like legendary. And I was watching Saturday Night Live that night, babysitting some girls that were caught up in what the rest of the country was caught up in, which was the soundtrack to Greece. Hmm. And out comes Devo. And I mean, everything stopped. You couldn't do anything but just stare at the screen. I mean, they commanded that kind of attention. There's nobody like them before them or after them. I definitely think they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They, uh, to, to Bambi's point, they, you know, when we went to the Rock Hall a couple years ago, they actually do have some memorabilia in the Hall of Fame already because the Rock Hall has this one section that they've kind of left or they have, they display some Cleveland acts. And, no. and uh, Devo... Ohio. 
Oh, Ohio, act, sorry. Uh, act from Ohio. And since Devo is from Ohio, because uh, they have to be from somewhere. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I dig them. I, you know, I, uh, I, I, I whip it. Uh, I like their Rolling Stones cover, Satisfaction. Uh, the two, I think two, three songs they have on the heavy metal soundtrack, um, Working mm-hmm. on a Coal Mine. Um, I, yeah. I love that stuff. Then you also have, you know, Beautiful World. Then yes. you also have uh, Girl You Want. Girl you know, want. there's so many others that they've done. And yeah, you're right. They're such a unique creature that, and and yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's it's easy to see their influence now, but certainly uh, they paved the way. That's for sure. Oh yeah, they were built for MTV. They laid the, you know, <laughs> it's true. Because I think a, one of them at least they went it went into video making, right, or went into video mm-hmm. directing oh, yeah. and filmmaking. So yes. All right, so we go back into the uh, the, the alphabetical order now. Um, with uh... this is Mike Gordon's alphabet, so it's okay. <laughs> exactly, I know, right? So, uh, with the band that I'm probably most excited about, uh, hopefully getting in, and that's the Go Go's. Um, I'm a big Go Go's fan, uh, have been for a long time, and uh, I believe this is their first time on the ballot, yep. and uh, this is the first time a all girl band has been on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. You know, I think the Runaways should have gotten in first, but I'm not going to complain uh, because the Go-Go's definitely, I think, are worthy. And I, I love them a lot. And I hope uh, that where things work out for them. Um, uh, Mike, what about you? Oh, I'm real excited about the Go-Go's. You know, I have saw the Go-Go's the first time they opened for the police. And... Wow. It, I was blown away by them because the only thing I had heard by them at that point was Our Lips Are Sealed. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have the album yet, so I hadn't heard, you know, some of the other songs by them. And once I learned, you know, the history and everything, it's just been pretty amazing. And this last year has been an amazing year for them. Between, you know, before COVID hit, they had the Broadway play that they mm-hmm. they had. And then also they just had a recent documentary also about the band yeah the documentary that's i think on showtime now that's um it's it's basically a like we need to get into the rock and roll of fame like it basically like lays out the argument yeah oh yeah <laughs> i mean and... even at the end of it it says like you know we should be like, it even addresses the fact that they're not in or whatever so and uh, it's it's interesting because they started out as a punk rock band before they went mainstream and it was it's just awesome to see the history with how they came about in LA and everything and i definitely think they should be in the first time yeah uh bambi what about you i i think it would be cool if the gogos got like actually made it in that would be cool to see i don't really i mean you pretty much covered covered the same things i would have said it's just it would be cool that they if they made it It'd be nice to see an all-girl band make it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Ricky? I I want to start by saying I definitely think that they deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think that uh, they may not have been, or they, they definitely weren't the first all-girl group. No. But no. They, they were successful in a way that a lot of all girl groups had not been prior to them. Even the runaways didn't 
ever quite have that success no, in the United no. States. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Runaways were huge in Japan. But um, I think that the Go-Go's definitely deserve to be in there. And I think right now, because our cultural climate is focusing on uh, non-white men, you know, whether it's minorities or whether it's women or whether it's whatever, I think right now is uh, a time where they, they might actually have a pretty good shot at it. Mm. And if they, if they are able to get in this year, I think that would be great. Yeah. It would be nice to see them not just go in, but go in the first ballot. Boom. Like no questions. Just, they go right in. Like the doors just open up and they right walk right on in. Um, anything more about the Go-Go's? Nope. All right. Uh, now we're going to go switch it up to, to uh, Iron Maiden, which, which sounds like a female act, but it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Iron Maiden. Excellent. <laughs> uh, Ricky, what can you tell me about Iron Maiden? They're hugely influential uh, in, in metal. I mean, they're probably second only to Black Sabbath. Um, well, maybe Black Sabbath and Judas Priest in terms of influence on the metal mm-hmm. community. Mm. Uh, definitely when it comes to the more power metal um, and thrash, I think they're one of the most influential bands in those genres easily. So if uh, if all of that is is part of it, then I think Iron Maiden should definitely be in the rock and roll hall of fame yeah dan and they had the they had cool album covers <laughs> yeah that's actually yeah. Th- that's another thing i think i know for me i i was familiar with their album covers before i knew a single song by them <laughs> yeah I, that's true for me i still have <laughs> still true for me oh very much so the thing is like you know when i was in junior high and high school all the, the I hate to say it, the stoners were wearing the Iron Maiden T-shirts or the Rush T-shirts, and it was like, who is this Iron Maiden? I've never heard of these guys, you know. And it was just always, you know, they were much bigger in Europe than they ever were here in the states. But you know, I think definitely think they were a huge influencer on many many bands. I'm actually surprised that they're not in there. It's what I can't remember a time like when I was a kid. Not knowing who Iron Maiden was, I knew of Iron Maiden. I didn't know what their music was, but I had heard of them. Like, I was aware that they ex- it ex- they existed. So it's a, <laughs> even me not knowing anything about them other than their name. That surprises me. I remember I, I would see their posters at Spencer's. <laughs> and because they had a poster for pretty much every album cover or single, because they had such amazing artwork on their singles... I didn't understand that. And I thought each one of those was a different album. And I thought, man, this band has more albums than anyone ever. (laughs) (laughs) The Dean Coots of metal band. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's, that's an amazing, they hope they put that in their induction speech. The Dean Coots of metal band. yeah, any more on Maiden? I mean, I, 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 I can't say I'm a huge fan because I, I don't, you know, I don't tend to go that deep in a, that metal. But I mean, I can't, I, I can't not acknowledge the fact that they are 
like it's it's almost like stereotypical like if you were gonna like create like a metal person like a, a metal fan you would have them wear an i mean t-shirt i mean you just would like it's just like no brainer it, you know that or metallica yeah that's what i was saying but even more so maiden because maiden has never quote unquote sold out to the level that you know metallica has in some ways iron true. maiden seems yeah. like it's more like it's pure metal. they do what they do kind of well acdc is kind of like that too <laughs> they're just like you know what this is who we are well, some people would argue that when Bruce Dickinson wasn't singing for them. Yeah, that's true. That, that era might not be so pure. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. So Iron Maiden. And next we have, man, this is such a variety because it just changes up uh, completely. So next we have Jay-Z. Uh, I know of Jay-Z and I know that, uh, I believe he's married to Beyonce. He's Mr. Beyonce. Come on. (laughs) It's Mr. Beyonce. Um, and I know he's a producer and that's about all. I I mean, I know he has some hits himself, but I don't know much more about him. And yeah, like you said earlier, Mike, this is where I feel like really white. No, exactly. <laughs> old, old and white. Old and white. <laughs> you know, Jay-Z had some amazing albums. His music was very, very big for probably the mid-90s up. But then he's more known now as a producer than, you know, than a, you know, a singer anymore. But his influence is was taken by so many other people. It's just, it is amazing. Well, I'm guessing that, okay, so... He's R and B. He's not rap. He's not hip hop. He's rap. He's, he's he I is rap and hip hop. Old white guy is trying to define. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I think I think when I usually th- when I think of him though by himself, like I said, I can't really name any of his music. But I I, I think I've seen him visually, like on on MTV or whatever, and his stuff is epic. It seems like it has this epic quality to it, which might be a self-fulfilling prophecy on his part. I don't know. But, um, Michelle, what can you tell us about Jay-Z? He's the first rapper to get into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and it's not easy to get into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 20, 22 Grammys, 14 number one albums. He's a giant in the industry, and he is a lock to get in. All right. Well. Enough said about that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, and then we have... Uh, I actually we... want to comment on this one. Oh, sure. Go ahead. He said, whoa, really? No, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. We thought we'd just skip over you on this one, Ricky. That's <laughs> <laughs> not true. I just was, I thought we were moving on. Go ahead. But uh, I, I actually think um, for his genre of music, I think that he does deserve to be acknowledged because he's been hugely... A, a huge contributor. You even know some of his songs, right? I, I do. That's, yeah, that, that says something. Yeah, like oh, that was it. Have you guys have you guys covered any of his songs? No, okay. we have not. We have gotcha. not. Out of, out of anybody so far, have you guys covered anybody? You must have covered a Go Go song. Devo, totally Devo in the Go Go's. I think and Iron know. Maiden. Yep. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else did we talk about not uh not kate bush we have not mary covered any kate bush even though there was a mary j blige song i can't like i said i can't think of any of her songs off the top of my head but i think i was going to cover one of those 
<laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. So that's it with Jay-Z. Now we move to someone who has been on the ballot in various forms. <laughs> Off and on for seven a long time. Times. Seven times. And that is uh, Shaka Khan. Um. Yeah, uh, she's been in there. What she's been on the ballot with Rufus, without Rufus. This is her third solo, and she's been nominated four times with Rufus. They keep trying it one way and then the other. <laughs> and... <laughs> uh, I like the thing is, I feel for her. <laughs> <laughs> nice, oh, nice. <laughs> um, I yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't expect it's going to be a much different outcome for her this time. I don't either. Um, and to be honest, I mean, like, I, you know, I dig her, but I don't know. I mean, she's got a connection with Prince as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, see, this is, see, we're all kind of going, oh, yeah, we dig her. Yeah, she's good. And that's what's happening to her every year with the, uh, yeah. with the voting mm-hmm. body. Now, I would imagine in, in some cases, like, you know, for, you know, R&B artists, like, they probably revere Shaka Khan as, like, a legendary figure, right, in that, in that, in that genre. But. Yeah, but, you know, I could name, like, five, six songs off the top of my head that she's done, and it's, she's. And they're all great. Yeah, and they're all fantastic, and she's very, very talented, and do I think she should be in the hall someday? But I don't think it's going to be this year. <laughs> nope. No. Um, all right. Next we have aforementioned maybe two-timer, uh, Carol King. Uh, Michelle, tell us a little bit about Carol King. You can't talk about 70s music without talking about Carol King. Tapestry was this monster, monster album. Um hundreds of weeks in the top 10 uh, and she had hits through the 70s and into the 80s um if you have james taylor in the hall you need to have carol king in the hall oh totally agree with that yeah completely agree with that it seems like she'd be a natural woman to put in the hall of fame <laughs> <laughs> really <Yeah>. indeed <laughs> <laughs> and she has been she's gotten so many awards it's just nuts she's got a kennedy center honor she's got uh she's one of only two women to have the library of congress gershwin prize um put her in for pete's sake <laughs> <laughs> so you so you think she should get in i mean she should she deserves to be in twice yes okay oh yeah too Agree completely with that. Yeah, what, her, you know, she she is currently in, in under what they call the Amit Erdogan Amit Erdogan Award for Musical Excellence with her late ex husband and songwriting partner. So she's only recognized as a songwriter. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Because she wrote a dude. ton of hits for other artists. Gotcha. Um, but this this recognizes what she did herself. Yeah, she's she's been songwriting since the 1950s, and you know she's just been around. And the the songs that she's done, you know, between writing and then what she did solo work is just amazing. We used to play Chicken Soup with Rice to William when he was little. And, you know, it was just awesome. And, you know, so many different things that she's done is just groundbreaking, especially for a female at the time. 
in the from the the 60s working you know with all these huge names and songwriters you know and it's just it's just amazing and i definitely think carol king deserves to be in the hall this is probably the only um podcast or blog that has talked about chicken soup with rice (laughs) (laughs) is she uh forgive my ignorance but is she still alive Yes. yes. She she just turned 79. So almost everybody that we've talked about so far is still yes. living, which is amazing, too, yes. because usually on the Rock Hall... Last like, year, they were mostly dead. Yeah, well, most of the people that we talked to are, are well, mostly dead. I know <laughs> one of the members of Devo has passed away. Two, but, yeah. two members of Devo. Two, actually, two, that's right. Um, Bambi, Ricky, anybody, anything on Carol King? Not really. I've I know the name and I know some of the stuff, but I'm not as familiar with, with her as I should be. That pathetic, I know, but true. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll move on to the next one, which is the leading vote getter right now, if you check the status, which is Fela Kuti. Is that right? Fela Kuti. Fela Kuti. Um, I must admit, until this ballot, these ballots were announced. I had no idea who this person was. Um, Never heard of that yep, same here. I don't know who that is. So, so Michelle, you're gonna have to drop some knowledge he, on this. On this he one. is was Nigerian. Um, he passed away in '97. He is called the father of Afrobeat music. Um, Afrobeat music is still uh, living today in dance music, but it was a huge, huge thing for Brian Eno and Peter Gabriel. Mm, they were just and so. Bowie got deeply into it. Um Cootie recorded an album with Ginger Baker of of Cream. Um there there was a Broadway musical called Fella uh, a few years ago about him. Uh Beyonce covered one of his songs at Coachella and apparently has a whole album of covers of his work. Um Damon Alburn of of the Gorillas is I guess a huge fan also. So He's influenced a wide range of, of performers. Gotcha. It's amazing that he's on the ballot. Um, and it's it's sort of in a mean way, like I think that he, uh, but in, in some ways I guess it's a good benefit that he's like leading the vote getting because obviously I think the Reddit folks are just doing picking on whoever is the least likely to be. No, there was, there's an African DJ and I don't know his name, but he got a campaign started. Oh, okay. So, so it is more it's, grassroots. It's a grassroots campaign. Oh, that's but, cool. I like that. Yeah. Then. Yeah, I thought it was cool. just those like Reddit GameStop folks just causing trouble again. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, it happens, right? It's happened with a lot of online voting. We should talk to them about having ESO, you know, higher in the ranks. Then you know? <laughs> exactly, I know, right? Um, <laughs> all right. So next up after that is LL Cool J. Bambi, what can you tell me about LL's Cool J? What the mama gonna knock you out? That yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. 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 True. Rock the um, bells. That's kind of my uh, knowledge. <laughs> Oh, cool. That's one of those. I'm pretty sure I reckon I would recognize more of his material, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. You guys know how I feel about rap, but right. uh, but I'm gonna say LL Cool J is one of the few rap artists that I'm familiar with multiple songs that he's done, and uh, I actually watched his MTV Unplugged performance and was really impressed. Oh wow. 
That's cool. I didn't even realize he'd done something like that. I oh, mean, yeah. I know that back in the day, you know, there was Run DMC and the early days of rap. Mm-hmm. There was Run DMC and there was, you know, uh, this person and that person. But LL Cool J really kind of took over for a good chunk, at least the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to Cali is the song mm-hmm. that I uh remember of his um i actually i think i bought that record so um um uh, and now he like mary j he kind of acts more I, I he's known for his acting more because he's on uh one of the uh cis shows or something like that right mm-hmm. in oh, yeah. cis los angeles yeah I, yeah i don't even know if it was called mtv unplugged at the time mm. when he did it it was like a very early one um, it may have even been a Saturday Night Live unplugged performance, but he did an unplugged performance in the early days of unplugged performances, and it was really impressive. That makes me want to look it up. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, Mike, any more thoughts on LO? No, everyone said what I was going to say, and you know, I've listened to him, you know, on the late 80s early 90s i remember he was the first one who introduced the uh the hat the certain kind of hat that he always used to wear with mm. the, that looked like a bell and you know <laughs> but yeah but other than that not really and the ll stands for ladies love yep ladies love cool j oh i didn't know that uh so um all right so we'll move on to uh ricky you mentioned uh the new york dolls I did. I think they should be in, and I don't think they'll get in. Why? Why? What? Why do you think they should be in? What? Do you, what? What's? What's significant about them? Although they weren't uh, hugely famous or successful on their own in the New York scene in the se- the early seventies, they influenced so many bands that went on to be hugely famous. They were a huge influence on both Kiss and the Ramones. Mm. And I mean, both Kiss and the Ramones went on to be uh, just maybe not the Ramones financially successful and hit songs successful, but certainly in terms of uh, being basically the godfathers of punk rock. Yeah. And uh, the fact that the New York Dolls influenced two bands that were so different. Uh, It's impressive to me. I think that the New York Dolls um, in many ways also started glam. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. They're known as glam rockers. So, and and I should, I should uh, revise that statement. They started eighties glam in the seventies. Because you had 70s glam, which was a very different type of thing, that sort of British glam already. But they started the, uh, I think that the 80s. Like hair metal glam? U.S. glam. More of a hair metal glam, yeah. Wearing women's clothing and, you know, going on stage and never knowing what you were going to get was New York Dolls trademark. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and and they are hot, hot, hot. Just always remember that. (laughs) Well, at least the singer was. Buster Poindexter, David Johansson was. Yeah, reinvented himself. Yep. Yep. 
for the for the late eighties. Sadly, he's the only surviving member. Uh, Sylvain Sylvain passed away just a few weeks ago. Aww. But he's definitely the man I definitely hear about uh, that. Yeah, are hugely influential, both in glam, rock, punk, you know, like a like. Yeah, there's just sort of like this Venn diagram of all this sort of mm-hmm. stuff that early, early influences of all that stuff. Anything more on them? No, but the, the bands they influenced are in the hall, so they need to follow them in. There you go. There you go. I really right. the last thing I'll say on it is I really feel like even though they weren't mainstream successful, I think that it, it's like they they kind of led the pack in so many different ways. But because they weren't successful in the mainstream, I really don't see them getting in, at yeah. least not this year. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, all right, so we got just four more left. Uh, and one is probably the most current of everybody in the list, maybe. Uh, and that's Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, they were pretty, pretty influential. Rap rock kind of thing. Like, they were, like, so big. I mean, I guess in some ways Beastie Boys did that, but not in the same way. Beastie and, Boys did it. So did Anthrax and Public Enemy. Yeah, but I just, I guess with, uh, with Rage Against the Machine, they're a lot more rock with rap thrown in. I mean, it is, it is rap, but I mean, it feels like it's so they would go in the rock category before they would go in the rap category. Whereas beastie boys is questionable to me. Plus I think think rage also was a lot more out of all those acts was a lot more political. Oh God. Oh yes. Oh yes. (laughs) I mean, they were not, and still are, still are a lot more political. Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, great band name for it <laughs> <laughs> exactly Ugh. uh mike no it's like what you guys are saying you know for me they always were very political they were always very loud very you know they were in your face whenever you heard them i saw them in concert once at a wow. fe- music festival and they were just amazing to see they had the audience in the palm of their hands, but they were just like, and you know, it was, just, but it was just awesome. Michelle. Um, I have to admit, I only know killing in the name of, mm. so which, I, which I think is great, but you, you would probably recognize bulls on parade if you heard it. Yeah. Which I think was actually a bigger hit. I'm not positive. I think that was a bigger hit, even though Killing the Name of is kind of the one that it was the fan favorite. Side note, the actual title is Killing in the Name. Oh, yeah. It's oh. not Killing in the Name Sorry. of, it's Killing in the Name. Sorry. <laughs> okay. It was awesome, though, when I saw them. They did uh, They did a great version of the Imperial March during the concert. Oh, really? Oh, and it was, yeah, it, was cool. it was awesome. And, you know, of course, geek. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's something you don't forget if you're a geek. Um, all right. Speaking of music geeks, uh, now we have uh, someone who's been on the ballot, I think, before, and that is Todd Rundgren, our old dear friend. Um, I know how Mike thinks about Todd Rundgren. <laughs> Hello, it's me. <laughs> uh, we might have talked about him before because he's been on the ballot before. This is third straight time. This is third straight time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I expect anything different. Is there anything more to be said about Todd Rundgren? And... No. Nah, no. 
Okay. Uh, good luck, Todd. And uh, now we have. Uh, wait, wait. wait. We'll, he, he we'll see you next he, year, Todd. He produced the first New York Dolls album. Oh, there you go. All right. So maybe you can duck them um, <laughs> and still come to the ceremony. Um, then we have uh, Tina Turner, who Tina. right now is leading, is second in leading of the votes. Probably, I'd say on this list, the biggest name, uh, certainly of the 80s. Well, 60s, 70s, 80s, you name the decade, right? Tina Turner um, is just huge. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, it's almost like what more needs to be said. She's just Tina Turner, right? right, Well, I'll say this. I don't listen to Tina Turner, and I think she is probably, of everyone on this list, the most deserving person to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, she technically is in already with Ike. Yeah. This is her going in solo and truthfully, you know, I think she deserved it more than Stevie Nicks did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I would I think she deserved to be in solo but like and not go in with Ike. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since that relationship was so, you know, toxic. Toxic. Thank you. Yeah. That's a great word. Um cuz yeah, I kind of feel sh- bad that he's in. <laughs> And they retroactively remove him. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, no, Tina is, I mean, she's amazing. She will not come. I can guarantee you she lives in Switzerland. She's in her 80s. She's retired. She won't be there. Beyonce will likely be there and she loves Tina. There will be no shortage of, of women who will want to pay tribute to her. And I think she should headline. I think she will get in and I think she should be the headliner in absentia, to be honest. If, if Tina gets in, then I think you can also knock off like, uh, Dionne Warwick's not going to get in who were just about, that's the last person on the list. Chaka Khan's not going to get in. Mary J. Blige is not going to get in. Cause I mean, Tina feels kind of that like eclipses them, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, very much. Feels so. that checks that box off. And big, and you know, more so than any of them do combined. I think. Um, so yeah, and she, you know, she did a kick-ass James Bond song, and a kick-ass uh, Mad Max song. So mm-hmm. I mean, that from a geek perspective, yeah, she needs to get in. Uh, and then, last but not least, uh, Dionne Warwick has she been in before? Has she been nominated before? Now this is her first one. Well, that's what friends are for. Um, oh. And, oh. Uh, <laughs> What, Mike? What? You got something to say? Penny for your thoughts? Well, I was going to, you know, Ricky's say a little prayer. not the only one who can do I was going to say a little here. prayer for you, Mike. It's That's okay. That's always something I know by her, I think. You know what? Uh, it's probably best that I... That's all I can say about oh. the other word, because I am actually not a huge fan of hers at all. So, um, uh, so yeah, I'm... Uh, if, if anybody what, else has something... What killed I, it for me was the Psychic Friends Network. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if she was on there. See, I don't know any of that history stuff. And, but I also remember her from being the host of Solid Gold. Yes. <laughs> Growing up. <laughs> All right. So that's our nominees. Uh, we're going to go by real quick and uh, like one, two, or three, however many you think definitely need to get in or should get in or you want to get in. What do you pick, Bambi? Uh, Devo, Tina Turner, Iron Maiden, Foo Fighters, and Rage Against the Machine. Awesome. Awesome picks. Ricky? Uh, I agree with her first three. Tina Turner, Devo, and Iron Maiden. Michelle? Who do I want or who do I think will get in? Uh, let's go with who do you think will get in. Think we'll put you on record in? for that. 
Tina, Jay-Z, Foos, Carol King, Go-Go's. This is who I think I'll get in. Gotcha. Is that different than who you want? Uh, uh, I would like to see, I'd like to see Kate in there, but I, I think if, if, I think if that was the class, I would be very happy. I'll gotcha. say that. Mike? Um, I'm going to pretty much agree with what Michelle said. These are my picks, and these are who I think will get in, is Foo Fighters, Go-Go's, Tina Turner, Jay-Z, and Carol King. Gotcha. I, I would hope I would hope that in addition to that, um, I would like to see um, Iron Maiden, Devo, or, and or New York Dolls. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like. love to see Maiden get in, but metal has got such a hurdle in front of it i know but yeah. if it but i mean this will open the door yeah. you know it has to start mm-hmm. somewhere it would be nice well I, I would love to see the new york dolls get in but i just it feels I, like a wasted vote I, yeah i mean i it's not wasted vote i just i don't think they've got any shot at it yeah probably not i mean they are um uh, at the near the bottom of the uh Voting right now. So, uh, yeah, second to last. Uh, poor Kate Bush is there. This is the fan vote. That's the fan vote. So hopefully well, the, the fan uh, other vote artists... doesn't count for anything because if that was the case, True. Dave Matthews would have gotten in last year. And Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar. Yep. The, two, yeah, the two top fan votes didn't get in last year. So go figure. And neither one of them are on the ballot this year. Makes no sense to me. Ah, rock all. But that's a whole other thing. So we don't um, on the val- ballot because we'll just look bad when we don't induct <laughs> them and everybody wants them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, Michelle, real quick, when can we find out who gets in? Uh, voting goes until April 30th, so probably first week of May. And the uh, ceremony is in Cleveland in November. If you want to vote or look at the standings, go to vote.rockhall.com. Awesome. Awesome. And we will report to you back to you once uh, they have the index when they once they have the class of 2021. So thank you guys so much. We'll be right back after this new segment that we are debuting this week. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the show The Great North, the new show from the creators of Bob's Burgers. So The Great North started a few weeks ago and just aired its third episode. So far, this show is funny, has interesting characters who get themselves into weird and interesting situations, and has a good message behind a lot of the episodes. It's very much like Bob's Burgers, just without Linda's voice, which just grates me. The storyline focuses on the Tobin family, a family that lives in Alaska. It follows a single dad who tries to keep his kids close and their family going after their mother ran off and left them. The dad is super weird and quirky, just like all the kids. And they're all just trying to figure out how to grow up in Alaska with their weird dad. The first few episodes have them coming face to face with a moose, the daughter of the group trying to figure out how to tell her dad she got a job since he is a super helicopter dad, and the oldest boy trying to find avocados for his fiance. All the stories are super sweet, very funny, and have some sort of moral or overall message about them. 
Whether they keep that going as the show goes on, who knows? But it's nice to see a show that's trying to show a story of a family navigating their way through Alaska and life and how they can better themselves. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now you're here for a new segment. It is the creative outlet, and we are joined with Kevin from Inked Marketing. Welcome, Kevin. Hello, guys. Thanks thanks for having me. You're all mellow now, all of a sudden. I'm all mellow. I know. Man, there's been a lot going on today. Um, <laughs> no, I appreciate, uh, appreciate the opportunity to get on and uh, just to let everybody know what Inked Marketing can take care of for all their different uh, creative needs. Uh, basically, uh, our, our whole... Uh, agency is set up as a creator uh, group for creators. So we, we let the creators create. We're all, everybody in the group is creators and we, uh, we can market all your needs as far as complete creative kickstarters, uh, you name it. Uh, and then put you on the road show. And we can talk a little bit about that if you'd like. And I can kind of go into yeah. some of that for you. Well, we've talked about on the podcast, you know, we've done the ads for ink marketing and also NSC. Right. So with ink marketing, you guys have a great roadshow going and Earth Station One is a proud member of the roadshow. And you want to tell folks about that? Uh, yes. The, uh, the NSC roadshow is definitely something to proud to have you guys of. And uh, it is a collection of podcasters from all over the world that are there to let creators come on and talk about all the wonderful projects they have. Everything from if they're taking on commissions or if they're doing something with uh, Kickstarter or any of those needs, they get a chance to sit down with you guys amongst several other people that are, are situated all over the world and kind of explain a little bit what they have going on. That is pretty awesome. And can you tell us some of the members of the Roadshow, who we could expect to see? Yes, you have uh, several members of the Roadshow. Uh, from all over the world. Um, one of them right off the bat is Brian Wayne with Cheers to Comics. Um, and then it jumps around to uh, us with Atomic Comer uh, Camaraderie. Uh, jumps over to you guys at Earth Station One over in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Jumps all the way over to Australia to where you have uh, comics to movies. It comes back over to um, us again over at Voodoo Lounge. That'll be right side of nice. New Orleans. It's a little bit, of, little bit of flavors of everybody uh, from all It sounds over. exciting. It sounds exciting, and it's a great way to promote all these independent artists and folks who are having the Kickstarters and such. It's, it's a real win-win uh, for you guys as far as um, to bring creators on and to meet new people and get, get their word out to your audiences. And uh, it's also great for the creators to go ahead and, at the same token, go ahead and uh, get all their different things that they're doing out there to, to you guys. It's, it's definitely a, a good partnership all the way around. It definitely sounds like it. So real quick, how can people find Inked Marketing? Uh, you can just go on and go to inked.marketing. Uh, you don't have to go to .com or anything. It's just inked.marketing, and it comes up and brings you all the different things that we do. And um, one of the team will reach out if you have any questions and let you know some of those services. And we can send you a full what we call solutions guide that covers everything that we can take care of for you. That is awesome. Definitely check them out. Thanks for joining us today, Kevin. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. 
that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank Ricky and Bambi for being here tonight. Thanks for having us. So what kind of shows do you guys got in this world of COVID? Do you guys, what do you have going on? We're actually uh, picking up shows again. We're playing once or twice a month these days, which is uh, unfortunately more than we were. We have um, a show coming up in South Carolina this weekend. Uh, and we've got conventions coming up for the next few months, as well as regular, uh, typical shows. Yep. That's awesome. And do you want to talk about any of the cons you're going to be at? We're going to be performing at Toylanta, which is, uh, in Marietta this year at a new location. Mm-hmm. And you can visit toylanta.com for more information about that show as a whole. And we're also going to be performing at Matrotham Con in Tennessee. When is that? That's the last day of May, beginning of uh, June. So, is it May, June, or April, May? I thought it was May. <laughs> Matr- <laughs> Go to their website to find out, folks. <laughs> Pretty sure it's May. Well, we appreciate you guys being here tonight, guys. Absolutely. Always fun. And Michelle, thank you, thank you for you know being our reporter on the Rock Hall of Fame. My pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? Mm, nope, just got my blog. Yes, and remember to vote for the Rock Hall. Vote for the Rock Hall. <laughs> it's you who can get the New York Dolls and Kate Bush into the <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's funny. That it, it, don't, don't make any promises, but yeah, exactly. So, and Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you got a shout out about, sir? Uh, I do. I don't know if I've. Uh, it's been a while, I think, since I mentioned it. Maybe if I have, but um, you know, Michelle and I took care of some orphan kittens um, for. This is our fifth month. Is that right with the boys? Yep, they're and, one in October. And uh, we started a GoFundMe because we really need some help. And we really wanted to thank everybody that uh, helped us out with the GoFundMe. Um, the boys have an appointment to get their vaccinations and to get uh, and to get surgery there <laughs> so that uh, we don't have more uh, little fellows running around. Um, but uh, that's going to happen, I think. Next week is scheduled to happen, so um, and it, it wouldn't have happened this soon without all the help that we've gotten. So we really appreciate all the support we've gotten on thank the you. on the kitties. Yes, thank and you, um, uh, they're doing fine. They they are they're at the age now where they're causing trouble all over the place. And uh, yeah, so if anybody wants four cat, no, just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, if, if they get in my plants again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, they're great. We love them, and uh, and again, we want to thank, just thank everybody for for helping out. Most definitely, you know, it's it's a great thing to watch you guys take in the cats and then watch the kittens grow up, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's been an adventure for you guys. I will say that oh, <laughs> never again. So so much so they were coming out of the walls. That's <laughs> true. That's true. You know, it's like hey, we know a place where cats are just. <laughs> just dying to get in there you know it's awesome <laughs> so yeah. true it is awesome dude you guys you guys have such a huge heart it's just awesome yeah. judy and i just love hearing the stories and everything thank you thank you for all you guys do thank you thank you and i also want to give a big shout out to all our listeners in texas folks mm. you know they warm we, 
stay warm. Well, it's gotten to the seventies already there. Oh, nice. Okay. As of today, and you know, as of this recording, so hopefully all the snow is going away. I know friends of mine who just got their water turned on today. You know, oh. it's it's back. And some pe- a lot of people don't even have electricity. And these poor people, you know, you're hearing about folks who've passed away because they were trying to stay warm in their houses. These houses were not built for this kind of weather, this kind of, you know, temperatures. It's just, it's just amazing, the horrors and everything. And my hearts go out to them. There are plenty of charities out there that you can help these folks out because some people's have their houses have burned their their houses are flooded there was something that looked like out of a horror movie or something you know pipes have burst in hallways of apartment buildings and you see like ice like icicles like looking like you're in a cavern like stalagmites or something coming down from the the roof of the of the hallways it's just it's just the ceiling fans yeah it's just it's just it's crazy and you know this is not normal folks and these people people need help and if you can find it in your heart please reach out i know the american red cross and a few other places are taking donations i know you could donate even jackets and you know clothing and anything you know any little thing helps and you know please you know just try to help your fellow man we always try to you know, help out here on the show and, you know, definitely reach out, you know, these people, you know, need it. And, you know, we have fellow podcasters that, you know, have run into some hard times because of this. This is completely unexpected and it's just, it's just crazy. (sighs) On that note, folks, just hug your loved ones and, you know, just be appreciative of what you have. And, you know, we're sitting in fully electric houses and, you know, we're very lucky to have roofs over our house, our heads and stuff. And it's just awesome to do. Join us again next week. And Dr. Scott is going to be joining us. And we have another look at science. It's been a while since we've done that. And, you know, with what's going on on Mars right now, I think it's a pretty good time to be talking about science. So science. <laughs> Exactly. It's pretty awesome. You know, I almost expected Marvin the Martian to, you know, mm. walk up to the ship or something. You know, it's it's just it's just amazing what's going on right now, folks. And, you know, I'm sure Dr. Scott will have a boatload of stuff to talk about. So please join us for that episode. Of course, thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at www.nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yeah, we're not too bad to beg. You should know that by now. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Michelle Borg, Ricky Zero, and Baby Lynn, thanks again for listening. We will see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones. Peace out. And we're done. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. 
Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.